Chapter Ten, Part Two of Women of the French Revolution by Winifred Stevens. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Part Two of the Rise and Fall of the Women's Party. Robespierre had travelled far since the day when, at Arras, he had charmed Mademoiselle de Keralio by desiring that men and women should work in double harness. Robespierre had now become as inveterate an anti-feminist as his master Rousseau collot d'herbois raised the laugh against terroigne when in her presence at the jacobin club with mock regret he said he had heard terroigne declaring that she must withdraw her friendship from him and from robespierre terroigne infuriated leapt from her seat on to the platform and clamoured to be allowed to speak such an uproar followed that the president put on his hat thus signifying the adjournment of the meeting Tirouang was at this time living close to the jacobins at two seventy three rue st honore where she held a salon and whence she continued to carry on her feminist propaganda like olympe she had her manifestos posted on the hoardings one of these exists to-day in the bibliothèque nationale printed on grey paper it is an appeal to the forty-eight sections of paris each to nominate from among the worthiest and the most highly respected women of the section six whose duty it should be to remind the citizens of the dangers threatening the country of the necessity of maintaining order and liberty of opinion these reminders were indeed becoming more and more necessary every day and none had more need of them than terroigne but she herself was soon to fall a victim of that anarchy against which she was protesting in the quarrel between the jacobins and the girondins which reached its climax in the may of this year seventeen ninety three the former had not hesitated to employ against their political enemies les tricoteuses les poissardes and the lowest women of the streets the most disreputable of these women roughs said to be in the pay of the jacobins used to surge in angry mobs on the feuillant terrace and round the doors of the assembly there they refused to allow any to enter who were not of their own particular brand of political opinion it had long been the custom of these fearsome menads publicly to flog in the most humiliating manner any of their number whose views or conduct displeased them the prints of the period represent many such scenes which even our gallery might hesitate to depict tirouang had protested against these indecent floggings and had threatened to make the whippers lick the dust they took their revenge on the fifteenth of may when at nine o'clock in the morning tirouang was crossing the feuillant terrace on her way to the assembly the women set upon her and fustigated her with such vigour that she might have died had not the guard rescued her from their hands according to one account marat was her deliverer for marat as we have seen was something of a feminist this was terroigne's last appearance in public she did not immediately lose her reason as some have maintained for there is evidence that she was managing her business affairs with perfect lucidity in the following summer a year later she was incapable of doing so and a family council was convened to nominate a guardian who should act for her by that time terroigne had been arrested by the revolutionary committee of her section on what charge does not appear but probably for some imprudent words uttered by her in a fit of madness a prey to one of the most ghastly forms of lunacy she was transferred from prison to an asylum and thence from madhouse to madhouse during the twenty-three years of misery that remained to her for she never recovered her reason finally on the first of may eighteen seventeen her tragic existence closed in the salpetriere hospital tirouin's humiliation in may and olympe's arrest in july seventeen ninety three left claire lacombe the leader of the women's party 
we have already seen her as the moving spirit of the women's republican revolutionary club her feminism was of a different kind from that of olympe and Thérouagne. while they strove for nothing more than women's admission on the same terms as men to citizenship in the bourgeois republic lacombe aimed at something much wider while their motto was le suffrage intégral hers might have been l'humanité intégrale for lacombe and her brilliant young lover thésée leclerc belonged to the most extreme of revolutionary factions les enragés with its headquarters in the club of that name though the word socialist had not yet been invented les enragés were the socialists of the great revolution the ancestors of the communards of eighteen seventy one lacombe or one of her women disciples summed up their programme in a petition to the convention which said we desire that there should not be a single unfortunate person in the whole republic but before arriving at that blissful condition les enragés were prepared to justify their title by rendering multitudes unfortunate as sworn foes of the jacobins les enragés were prepared to oppose them on any ground even on that of modérantisme but generally les enragés as extreme terrorists of the terror protested against what they called the indulgence of the convention leclerc who had spent some time at lyons before coming to paris had there proposed that six thousand aristocrats should be cast into the sun lacombe never followed her lover to such lengths the accusation that she took part in the prison massacres of september seventeen ninety two is without foundation indeed one of the charges brought against her at her arrest two years later was that in the republican revolutionary club she had protested against these massacres nevertheless she and her club threw themselves on to the side of les enragés in their attack on the jacobins and the convention their plan was to demand the immediate execution of the constitution which the convention had drawn up but which it refused to put into action until so it said the war was ended on the twenty sixth of august seventeen ninety three lacombe appeared before the convention at the head of a deputation from the republican revolutionary club she demanded the execution of the laws of the constitution we have not she remonstrated been the first to accept this constitution in order that anarchy and the rule of intriguers may be indefinitely prolonged we call upon you by dismissing all nobles to show that their defenders are not among you it is not enough to tell the people that their happiness is near you must make them experience it and four years unhappiness have rendered them chary of believing your fine promises with what indignation must the people behold men gorged with their money and fattened on their blood preaching to them patience and sobriety would you have us believe that the country's enemies have no devoted defenders among you then dismiss all nobles without exception if there be any of good faith they will prove it by sacrificing themselves willingly for the country's welfare be not afraid of disorganizing the army if a general's politics are bad then the more talented he is the more necessary is it to get rid of him do not be so unjust toward patriots as to believe that there is no one among them worthy to command our armies if when despotism reigned crime was rewarded under liberty's rule virtue should be given the preference you have decreed that all suspected persons shall be arrested is not such a law grotesque when those who execute it are themselves suspected ah legislators is this how you trick the people is this the equality on which their happiness was to be founded is this their reward for the incalculable evils they have suffered so long and so patiently no 
it shall not be said that these people reduced to despair must take justice into their own hands you will execute justice by dismissing guilty administrators by creating extraordinary tribunals in such numbers that our patriots when they start for the front may be able to say we are not anxious about the fate of our women and children for beneath the arm of the law we have seen all the plotters of the interior perish decree these great measures and a mass levy of all the male population and you will have saved la patrie the convention listened to lacombe's speech in cold silence and as soon as it was finished without note or comment proceeded to the next business the deputation had indeed experienced great difficulty in gaining admission another which arrived after it had been given the precedence and against this injustice the young leclerc whose influence is plainly discernible in the petition itself did not fail to protest not all the measures proposed by les enragés were as vindictive as these proposals of lacombe they advocated for example the institution of national workshops somewhat on the lines of those which were to prove a failure in the revolution of eighteen forty eight olympe by the way with her habitual inconsistency had supported this social reform though she was anything but a socialist girondin and jacobin alike mistrusted les enragés but the jacobins in their conflict with their political enemies were glad to make use of these extremists it is probable that with several other republican revolutionary women lacombe was present at the jacobin meetings of march april and may when the ruin of the girondist party was decided on when the jacobins were finally victorious and the girondist leaders either executed or driven to wander homeless throughout france then the victors turned against their former allies and in this second faction fight as we shall see lacombe and the woman's party she represented finally came to grief how far the hooligan women who in the spring of seventeen ninety three were constituted or constituted themselves the doorkeepers of the convention were recruited by or even drawn from lacombe's revolutionary republican woman has been much discussed girondist writers maintain that these frenzied menads were members of the club and that it consisted of prostitutes and les plus hideuses coquines of paris but the girondins were not impartial critics of the club for it had been the most formidable of their political enemies the girondist accusation is not borne out by certain clauses in the club's constitution the republican revolutionary citizenesses begins one of these are convinced that without morals and principles liberty cannot exist the society has resolved runs another that it will only admit citizenesses of good morals this it considers to be the most essential of all qualifications and it has resolved that any failure to comply with this condition shall constitute one of the principal causes of exclusion if the club consisted of prostitutes it was strange that on the twenty first of september seventeen ninety three it should have sent a deputation to petition the convention to transfer women of bad life femmes de mauvaise vie to houses instituted by the nation where they might be occupied in useful work and by means of patriotic reading induced to forsake their evil ways for urged the petitioners these unhappy victims of libertinage often have good hearts and it is poverty alone that has frequently reduced them to this deplorable condition as for the jacobins now that their girondist enemies were disposed of and they no longer needed the support either of the women roughs or of the women's club they began to find both of them a nuisance and in order to get rid of them were glad of the excuse of confounding the two with which their enemies had provided them 
in this association of the women's party with les enragés the jacobins found a further excuse for the anti-feminist campaign they now began to carry on in the convention the commune the jacobin club the jacobin fraternal society and even in the republican revolutionary club itself this internecine campaign opened when on the thirty first of may seventeen ninety three the convention excluded women from its galleries on that very day the women's party had received another rebuff a deputation of women from the republican revolutionary club to the council-general of the commune had vainly petitioned that women should be allowed to join in the deliberations of the revolutionary committee of their own section when three days later the same deputation approached the convention they were denied admittance on the thirty first of july the women's club was significantly left out of the project to erect an obelisk in honour of marat and this in spite of the fact to which lacombe publicly drew attention that with the women the idea had originated meanwhile lacombe was having trouble with her own club for some of its members refused to be identified with the ultra-violent party one of these who had spoken at the cordelier club was accused by one of the cordeliers of being too indulgent in august lacombe found it necessary to reproach certain of her followers with their devotion to robespierre you are infatuated with robespierre she cried i regard him as an ordinary individual in the jacobin club she was accused of having shown disrespect to robespierre by calling him monsieur robespierre in september having in her turn become president of the republican revolutionary club lacombe began a regular canvassing of the members of le comité de sûreté générale with the object of obtaining their permission for the members of the club to visit the prisons to interrogate the prisoners and to set at liberty those whom they found innocent here les enragés were substituting modérantisme for terrorisme two members of the committee chabot and bassir reported this extraordinary proceeding to the jacobin club while roundly inveighing against lacombe's action they tried to explain it by saying that she had confessed to one of them her love for one of the prisoners a royalist m doré son of a former mayor of toulouse the wrath of the jacobins already waxing hot against lacombe rose to fever heat at this further accusation the charge was probably groundless for the object of this prison visitation was doubtless to set free some of the supporters of les enragés nevertheless the club was only too ready to believe bassir and chabot's story one member attributed to women the anarchical condition of the city protests from the women's gallery but he continued and demanded lacombe's arrest another citizen Techereau, with great probability accused lacombe of pushing herself in everywhere citoyenne lacombe se fourre partout at a meeting at which the speaker was present he had heard her clamouring for the constitution and nothing but the constitution what hypocritical and feuillante moderate language when she is trying to sap the foundation of the constitution and to overthrow all constituted authorities another citizen the woman you denounce is very dangerous because she is very eloquent at this moment lacombe herself enters one of the galleries and seems to ask to speak the noise and confusion are terrific the president puts on his hat when finally order is restored the president after rebuking lacombe puts two motions to the vote first that the republican revolutionary club be asked to expel its suspected leaders second that le comité de sûreté générale be asked to arrest such suspected persons both resolutions were passed unanimously 
then an amendment was proposed that lacombe be taken at once before le comité de sûreté générale thereupon a citizen objected that this could not be done that the comité could only be asked to summon lacombe before it i do not doubt added the speaker that she is an instrument of the counter-revolution lacombe was not arrested and on la gazette française announcing her arrest she wrote to the editor saying i will prove to you that my arms are as free as my body or they will give themselves the treat of giving you a good whipping if in your issue of to-morrow you do not eat your words and i keep my word femme lacombe présidente though for the time being the president went free the debate at the jacobins had destroyed any prestige that remained to the republican revolutionary club on the sixth of october a memorable anniversary a deputation from a club known as la société du dix août petitioned the convention to dissolve the women's club strange to say and most unfortunately for the club's reputation the convention refused but before the month was out the conduct of the women themselves put a second refusal out of the question on the twenty eighth of october seventeen ninety three came the final struggle which decided the fate of the women's party were its causes less well known one might have suspected the government of inciting an anti-feminist pogrom in order once and for all to banish women from french politics as far as i know however no reliable authority has suggested that a hidden hand was behind the ostensible events that led to the disturbance in the beginning the fault undoubtedly lay with the market women les poissardes and here in this last act of the revolution feminist drama as in the first the bread and cheese question constitutes the determining factor for though the scarcity of food the high prices and the consequent scarcity of customers les poissardes were turning against the republic and having torn off their tricolour cockades were reverting to royalism in september the convention had made the wearing of the tricolour compulsory and the republican revolutionary women took it upon themselves to exact obedience to the decree we have already told how they dealt with the recalcitrants how donning the red cap and masculine trousers les clubistes paraded the streets forcing the royalist women to resume their cockades and even to put on the red cap as was inevitable les poissardes refused in their own special way there were the usual floggings and lacombe herself is said to have shared tirouin's humiliation meanwhile a horde of poissardes had invaded the saint eustache charnel house where the republican revolutionary women were in session there occurred scenes of such disorder as to provoke the intervention of a male armed force la force armée not a large one however only six citizens with swords drawn and accompanied by a justice of the peace the justice contented himself with demanding from the platform silence in the name of the law and then after assuring the invaders of the club that they would not again be asked to put on the red cap but that they were at liberty to wear any headdress that pleased them he withdrew followed by his swordsmen all very glad no doubt to get out of the medley but the club women were disappointed with this mild intervention and three times asked for it to be repeated the armed men did not return but unhappily for the club as it turned out the justice of the peace only too courageous did put in a second appearance reascending the platform he suggested as the best way to restore order that the vice-president who was in the chair should take off her red cap she did so and put it on the head of the justice of the peace loud applause from the galleries then the justice apparently took his revenge he declared the meeting closed 
les citoyennes révolutionnaires ne sont plus en séance he cried anyone may come in and they did immediately the rabble surged into the charnel-house and it seemed as if the gruesome place was about to deserve its name only too well had it not been for the intervention of a company of artillerymen there would doubtless have been slaughter of women by women as it was many of the club members were seriously wounded surgeons were called in the soldiers succeeded in providing a way of escape for the attacked who at first repeatedly refused to avail themselves of it all they desired was to have a record procès verbal made of what had occurred in the end they yielded to persuasion and the charnel house was cleared thus ended what proved to be the last meeting of the club of republican revolutionary women on the following day the twenty ninth of october a deputation of women from one of the fraternal societies la société populaire de la section du bon conseil appeared before the convention and complained of the disorderly conduct of les citoyennes républicaines révolutionnaires thereupon the convention on the motion of fabre d'eglantine requested le comité de sûreté générale to report on the question of women's clubs the committee lost no time in sending its report amar read it to the convention the very next day the measure it proposed the suppression of all women's clubs and societies was of course a foregone conclusion but the arguments it adduced struck much deeper than the question than before the convention of the continuance of women's clubs in france they reached down to the fundamental principles of relations between the sexes they were a prelude to the laws which from that day to this have determined those relations throughout the country it was from this broad standpoint that amar approached the problem are women capable of exercising political rights he inquired and of taking an active part in the affairs of government when assembled in political associations are they capable of deliberating the committee said amar had examined the two questions and had replied in the negative to both woman's nature is such he argued as to unfit her to take part in politics in the height of the terror addressing one of the most hysterical parliaments the world has ever seen amar declared that a quality essential in all who would take part in the government is imperturbable equanimity then he went on to inquire whether a woman's appearance in public is compatible with her good fame women he contended can best serve their country by influencing their husbands and teaching their children to love liberty that amar was preaching to the converted was obvious after a brief discussion the resolution that clubs and societies of women of whatever kind are prohibited was put and carried with only one dissentient voice that of charlier he was an obscure jacobin of whom little is known he based his objection on the argument that as women were human beings they ought not to be denied the right to meet together peaceably not a very fortunate line of argument considering the occurrences of the previous day bassia rejoined that charlier did not seem to understand the question then before the house then forsaking amar's broad line of reasoning bassia maintained that the question was not one of principle so much as of expediency whether or no these women's societies were dangerous they had been proved to be dangerous therefore away with principles it was this argument of inexpediency that was used by m clemenceau when a woman suffragist deputation waited upon him in nineteen nineteen i grant he replied that every argument for giving votes to men may be used for giving votes to women but we dare not give women votes in france for fear he added of increasing the power of the church 
the women of the revolution did not submit to their defeat without a protest denied access to the convention on the twenty eighth of november a large company of them appeared at the council of the commune thence too they were expelled after having been treated to an anti-feminist diatribe by an chaumette chaumette declared that the place in which the people's magistrates deliberate should be closed to all who insult the nation no cried another member who realized that the women were intended the law allows them to enter read the law retorted chaumette the law decrees that morals shall be respected here i find them violated since when were women allowed to abjure their sex then in words which might have been michelet's this ex-priest fell to the usual anti-feminist tactics for the so-called exaltation of women as the divinity of the domestic sanctuary how could women be so foolish as to be discontented with a kingdom in which legislators and magistrates are at their feet your despotism he cried is the only despotism we cannot destroy since it is founded on love and consequently on human nature in the name of human nature stay as you are remember that haughty wife of a stupid and perfidious husband that roland who thought herself able to govern the republic and endangered its fall remember that virago that woman-man the impudent olympe de gouges who tried to meddle in politics and who committed crimes all these immoral creatures have been annihilated by the arm of the law and do you wish to imitate them under the monarchy women were everything because men were nothing only in the reign of charles the seventh were jones of arc necessary chaumette's resolution that women should henceforth be excluded from the commune's deliberations was carried claire lacombe had not figured among the women whom chaumette had denounced by name because he had only mentioned those who were dead but lacombe though alive in the flesh was dead politically her political reputation could not survive the events of the twenty eighth of october so she now returned to her original profession early in seventeen ninety four she was about to leave paris for dunkirk to keep a theatrical engagement when she was arrested on the charge of being connected with the socialist enemies of the government the socialist leader jacques roux had already been in prison several months leclerc was arrested about the same time as lacombe he had by this time married pauline leon who had been lacombe's predecessor as president of the republican revolutionary club lacombe's imprisonment first in one jail then another lasted seventeen months for a while she was at the luxembourg there carefully dressed and charming as ever she turned an honest penny by selling candles to her fellow-prisoners meanwhile her women followers of whom she always had a devoted band were leaving no stone unturned in their endeavours to procure her liberty at length in the autumn of seventeen ninety five they succeeded the order for her release signed by the comité de sûreté générale and dated le premier fructidor is the latest document and the latest information concerning this remarkable woman that has as yet been discovered the women's party went down with the wreck of the republican revolutionary club the women's movement had resulted in complete failure in face of the enormous prejudices against women's direct influence in politics strengthened by the unfortunate influence of marie antoinette in face of the lack of education and experience of the leading women it had been doomed to failure from the outset and latterly had anything further been necessary to render its defeat inevitable the final cause had been supplied by the alliance between feminists and the socialists who were the sworn foes of the party in power 
the feminism of the revolution as we have seen was the first combined attempt to win political enfranchisement made by french women indeed in modern history by the women of any country this great pioneer movement could hardly have been inaugurated at a more unfavourable time to pilot any movement past the shoals the quicksands and the whirlpools of the tempestuous sea of the revolution would have required genius of a particular order and this the women leaders did not possess most of the difficulties against which they had to contend have already been noticed one that has not been mentioned is the anti-feminism of prominent revolutionary women notably of madame roland madame robert and madame tallien someone has said that there are two types of femininity the posseish kind and the tigerish kind feminists are of the latter type anti-feminists of the former madame roland in her affectation of shrinking into the political background is essentially posseish in this respect her whole career was a paradox for here was a woman founding and dominating a party for a time guiding the whole movement of the revolution and all the while insisting on the narrowest sex limitations she was convinced writes her friend busk that woman must owe her celebrity entirely to the esteem she inspires by the exercise of her domestic virtues madame roland deeply immersed in politics could yet at the same time write to bancal i do not believe it to be in accordance with morals for women to come to the fore they ought to exert a good influence to foster and inflame every sentiment useful to la patrie but they ought not to take any direct part in politics they cannot come out into the open agir ouvertement until all frenchmen deserve to be called free until then our frivolity and our bad morals will render all that they do ridiculous madame robert and madame tallien held the same opinions women's domestic duties wrote madame robert forbid her to exercise administrative functions the companions of men ought not to be their rivals said madame tallien the only progressive measure either of them ever advocated were madame robert's proposal that health inspectors should be appointed in order to introduce some improvement into the miserable conditions prevailing in the hospitals and madame roland's and madame tallien's demand for more educational advantages for women but only that they might be fitter companions for men all three of them were in this respect the mrs humphrey wards of their day with the exception of short-lived newspapers like bouche de fer the whole press of the day was anti-feminist and one of the most influential revolutionary journals les revolutions de paris under the direction of prud'homme for years carried on a vigorous anti-feminist campaign mercilessly attacking all the feminist leaders and the women's clubs like other anti-feminists the contributors to this newspaper were inconsistent for while they maintained that woman has no concern whatever with anything outside the walls of her home they called on women to assemble round the altar of la patrie there to swear that they would never marry an aristocrat that they would bear lighted torches into the tuileries palace and that they would redouble their ardour when the country was invaded did women then gain nothing at all from the revolution olympe would not allow that they had benefited in any way whatever but she was wrong the revolution had conferred on women two new social rights the right to divorce and the right to equality of inheritance revolutionary women as we have seen did not hesitate to exercise this right to divorce husbands too in considerable numbers availed themselves of it and we have already mentioned the club for divorced women les dames en état de divorce like certain clubs of the present day it was a blend of the club proper and the pension 
among its advertised attractions were a piano a harp and a harpsichord it owed its existence to la citoyenne neveu and its quarters wore the mansion then known as l'hôtel de soubise in which the national archives are now kept one of the famous divorces of the revolution was that of the actor talma and his wife julie julie was wealthy as well as brilliant her house in la rue de chantraine was stored full of priceless treasures many of which served talma as theatrical properties madame talma had been a great inspiration to her husband in his profession but she was seven years older than he she had been his mistress before their marriage and after a while he tired of her candid friends told julie of his unfaithfulness she sued for a divorce sold her charming hotel to general bonaparte just home from egypt and went to live with her friend madame de condorcet in la rue de matignon she wrote an account of the divorce proceedings to louise fusil we monsieur and madame talma drove to the municipal offices in the same carriage on the way we talked of all manner of subjects like people taking a drive in the country my husband gave me his hand as i alighted we sat side by side and we signed our names as if it had been the most ordinary contract when it was done he escorted me to my carriage i trust said i that you will not entirely deprive me of your society you will come and see me sometimes won't you certainly he replied rather embarrassed but evidently pleased in spite of all my efforts to control myself i was pale and my voice trembled with emotion i went home and gave myself up to my grief pity me for i am very unhappy talma kept his promise he often visited his former wife and says her friend louise his presence was always a consolation in many other cases divorce did not involve the cessation of friendly relations between those who had once been married more than one woman who had divorced her husband risked her life to save his as time went on divorces grew more and more common they were granted for insanity desertion for two years at least emigration abroad in some cases notorious immoral life and incompatibility of temper after the restoration louis the eighteenth's government abolished divorce and it was not reinstituted until naquet's law in eighteen eighty four the second benefit the revolution conferred on woman the inheritance law is enforced to-day the statute which forbids a father totally to disinherit his children provides that he shall distribute his possessions equally among his male and female offspring the far-reaching results of this measure in giving a certain economic independence to the women of france can with difficulty be exaggerated indirectly it has affected the question of women's suffrage for it is this measure of economic independence that blinds many french women to the importance of political enfranchisement politically women at the close of the revolution were worse off than at the beginning in none of its aims had the revolution failed more signally than in the establishment of equality it was essentially a middle-class movement and as such it had abolished but a few of the inequalities between classes inequality between the sexes despite the two reforms we have mentioned it left more strongly accentuated than it had ever been for relations between men and women which before the revolution had been regulated by vague custom were now clearly defined by law and generally to the disadvantage of the woman the most notable instance is that of the franchise in seventeen eighty nine as we have said women were admitted to the outer court of citizenship by reason of a very limited property qualification 
but the property vote of seventeen eighty nine was swept away with other vestiges of the feudalism of which it was a relic and the revolution left french women as they have remained ever since without votes for any governing body end of chapter ten end of women of the french revolution by winifred stevens recorded by celine major